Hello, and welcome to Life on Maine, a daily podcast of Life on Maine in Charlestown, New Hampshire, where we discuss living life on the main purpose as designed by God. I am Pastor Tim Golden, and on these podcasts, we focus on growing in relationship with God, maturing in the faith through His Word, stewarding our relationships with one another, as well as learning to make disciples as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each day highlights one of these facets of spiritual character, growth, and stewardship, so be sure to come back each day to grow a strong and healthy walk with the Lord. Now, let's see what the Holy Spirit wants to show us today. It is nice. I'm so glad it's a nice day out. It's really, this grove of trees is just ideal. Just wish the ground was a little harder. My apologies for anybody that's already had to move their chair a time or two uh, because you've sunk. Um, I I noticed you had to move yours there, uh, Jim, (laughs) at least once. Uh, So just be aware. Sometimes they do sink if you feel like you're leaning. You probably are. So um, reposition your seat if you have to. Um, But it is nice to be able to be out. It's not that we worship creation, but you know, it's like something about being out in nature that God created that just helps in, in the seeking Him. Not to mention, it just smells nicer than the inside of an old building. So uh, we like that. If you turn in your Bibles with me, guess where we are today? If you, right. If you paid attention last week, you know we're in 1 Corinthians, and we will be here for quite some time. Um, we started a new series last week entitled Credible Christianity. And this kind of a sequel, I guess you could almost call it, to where we just were when talking about the caricatures of a Christian. We were looking at the different um, aspects that God wants us to live up to. But now we're really getting into the fact of what it really means to have a life that's credible. How many of you have run into people that just have this distorted view of what a Christian is? Oh, yeah. You know, number one, they think we're supposed to be perfect. How many know that if we were perfect, we wouldn't need this thing called grace? You know, we wouldn't need this thing called Jesus' blood to cover our sins. Um, It's not that we use it as a license to sin. And that's where the problem comes in. Some people do that, right? And so what we want to do is we want to make sure that we are doing all we can to add credibility to the name of Christ. Um, As you might realize, having grown up, um, if any of you had parents that were in business or a father that was a pastor such as myself, you understand probably more than others how much the way that you lived your life even as a youth reflected on the family name, right? And it, it, it didn't just affect you, it affected everybody. People would hear the last name and they'd either be like, oh, or they'd be like, oh, <laughs> right? And so hopefully you had the first response, not the second response. Um, and that's what we're talking about. There's lots of people when they hear the word Christian, they almost get a, oh, you're one of those. Rather than, oh, really? Because if we're really reflecting Christ, now we're going to offend some people, right? Because Jesus told us that would happen. The cross is an offense. Not everybody's going to like Christians. But let us make sure that they're not liking us for the right reasons. Right? Let's make sure that the reason they're not liking us is because we do look holy. Because we do look Ah, like Christ. Not that we live a life separate from what it is that we profess. And as we mentioned, the Corinthian church... They were saved. They had a relationship with Christ, but their lives were not necessarily reflecting it. And we're not saying that this represents 
life on Maine, right? Or what if you're tuning in from, you know, on Facebook, we're not saying it represents your church specifically. But what we see is that he is speaking some words of correction throughout this book to the church in Corinth because they weren't necessarily living the life that they professed. And last week we, pre we presented the introduction. We just pretty much dug into the greeting. But now today we're going to start getting into some of the meat, some of the things that he was, no pun intended, we'll dig into the other meat later, but uh, we're going to dig, dig into the meat of the word first. Feed our spirit before we speed our flesh. Amen? Or feed our flesh. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 is where we will begin. And I'm reading from the, let's get into the right passage. We'll be reading from the New International Version this morning. But starting at verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I am thankful that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so no one can say that you were baptized into my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning. Lord, as we dig into this passage, we ask that you would speak to us, that, Lord, you would help us to glean from it the truths that you would have for us today. And, Lord, we choose today to acknowledge and to proclaim to you that we want our lives to be a good reflection. We want to be credible Christians, Lord, before your sight. So would you speak into us, Lord, to, to make us look more like you today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So I appeal to you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree there be no divisions. And then I like what he did after that. Because how many know whenever you get a word of correction spoken to you, what's the first thing most people do? They get defensive. Or denial, right? As the old phrase goes, denial is not just a river in Egypt, right? But yet what happens is, is we begin to say, hold, oh, that's not true. So what does he do? He says, not only is this happening, but guess what? I've got credible evidence that this is happening. Somebody told on you. Somebody in your group, and you know what? They didn't even tell me not to reveal their name. I'm going to tell you who they are. They're the members of Chloe's household. Now, the interesting thing about Chloe is we don't know anything really about Chloe. This is the only time Chloe is mentioned in Scripture. So we really don't know much other than this that we can surmise from this passage, that obviously Chloe and her household had some credibility to their names as far as Christianity was concerned. So much to the point that they could say these things and Paul could take it at face value. That the fact they would say these things would not be, there was nothing in it for them to gain but the, other than to speak the truth. And so they shared this with Paul. Now we don't even know where Chloe comes from. Was Chloe from Chloe? From, 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 from
Chloe from Corinth. Or was she from Ephesus? We don't know. Because we read from Ephesians this morning. Um, and we know that Paul was in Ephesians when he wrote this letter. So, But whatever the situation is, Chloe knew firsthand and her household knew firsthand about what was going on in Corinth. So much to the point she let Paul know and Paul saw it as being severe enough. I need to address not just this one issue, but all the issues I'm going to cover in this book called 1 Corinthians. So one of the first things that we need to understand, and we're going to just kind of break this down bit by bit here. The first thing we need to understand is the way he starts that out. I appeal to you, brothers. Now, that word that's translated brothers here, other places in, in the original language could be translated brothers and sisters. So it's unsure if this was just brothers or, or both, um, both genders. But really that's irrelevant. The point is there's an issue in the church that had to be addressed. But notice his, his first words there, I appeal. I appeal. I come to you and I, 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 I'm calling you up and out is what that's referring to. The, the word that is used here for appeal is actually the word that we get paraclete from. Well, paraclete, we don't use that word. But actually we do. It's in reference to the Holy Spirit. Right? That Jesus said, I will send another comforter. One after the same kind as myself. and That, that will call you up and call you out to be separate. And so that's really what he's saying here. It's not just, I beg of you, I'm pleading with you. It's the fact that I'm doing those things, I'm strongly urging you, but it's because you're, you're somewhere where you should not be. And there's someplace better that God wants you. Amen. And so I am appealing to you, but my heart's desire here, in the words I'm about to share, is that you become all God wants you to be. It's not to give you a spanking. Right? It's not to condemn you. It's to help you rise up to be the people you were destined to become. And how did he come? I appeal to you, brothers, in whose name? The name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This wasn't his own ideas. This wasn't his own opinion. He wasn't coming saying, hey, you know what? There's some things you guys are doing that are really ticking me off. That wasn't the thing here. That he was coming, number one, calling people up, calling them out to become all that God wants them to be because that's what God wants of them. It had nothing to do with what Paul wanted of them. It wasn't because of what they were doing. And, you know, well, I, I came here and I planted this church and, you know, you guys are messing up and now it's going to reflect on me. That wasn't his heart. His heart was what you're doing is reflecting on the name of Christ. And so it's on his account that I come to you and that I make this plea in which I call you apart and call you separate. And so I'm coming to you, I'm appealing, know my heart, it's one of love, and I'm coming on God's accord, not my own. Why? Because there can't be divisions. There can't be things that are separating you. And I, and I praise God that, I, you know, we, we have a church I believe honestly genuinely loves each other. But it still tells us, let there be no divisions among you. What does that word divisions mean? It means to be at odds with each other. It's not just having a difference of opinion. It's having a difference of opinion, and I'm going to defend my difference of opinion no matter what it does to you and me. Okay? And that then becomes a problem, and a division begins to take place. But rather, it's what? That you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. So what does that mean? 
the same mind and the same judgment. Well, the same mind is not necessarily that you are uniform in your thinking. You have unity in your thinking, but you're not necessarily uniform. How many of us know that we have some different ideas as far as, you know, we can read a scripture and, and God says one thing to one person, says another thing to another, but it's all still staying true to the word of God. You can have some differences in that realm, but that is not what it is talking about here. It's talking about that when we come together, we become unified in our thinking, in our knowledge, that we are following the same cause, and that cause needs to be Jesus Christ. As we read later, there's obviously some other people they were following, not just Jesus. And so we you know, need to be careful of that. Make sure you're all on the same course, but also have the same judgment. Which means, because you have that same mindset, you also have a similar understanding of how it is we need now to move, how it is we need to act together. And again, it's not saying that we're all going to think exactly the same, or that you know, one person might say one thing, it's like, yeah, but I think we need to add this into that. Oh, well, that's good, yeah, because that's so keeping with what God desires. That's good. That we, we need to be able to reason together, right? Scripture says, come and let us reason together. And so that's not what it's talking about, but it's talking about the fact that when we have a different mindset, when we're after different things, we will also seek different courses of action. So be of the same mind and be of the same judgment. Because it's been reported to me that from Chloe's people that there's quarreling among you. There's some division going on. And then he goes on to talk about what those divisions are. So first thing we need to understand is that the primary premise of what Paul is saying in this whole passage is we need to be united in Christ. If you had to sum it all up in one statement, that is really what it is. We need to be united in Jesus Christ. We need to be following him. We need to be following his plans and his actions and not our own devices or our own strategies. But what is it that God desires of us? What do, and to personalize it, what does God desire of life on me? It might not look like something else somebody else is doing. You know? It might be meeting outside under a grove of trees for the time being, right? But whatever it is, be united. Come together in Christ. It's simply a very amazing statement. It's not a very complicated statement, but it sure is hard to live out, isn't it? It's not hard to live out as long as we're both going the same direction. When it gets hard is when all of a sudden this person feels this, and then somebody else feels, well, but maybe we need to hang a right. And then there begins to be a little bit of question. But what do we do in the midst of that? Will we seek God and his direction until we both sense a unification? Because if we're really seeking God, will he not speak to our hearts? the same message? I believe he will, if we're truly seeking him. Same Holy Spirit resides in us all. Amen? Amen. There's three phrases that we see happen throughout this passage of scripture. He says things like, all of you agree. He speaks of no divisions. He speaks about being perfectly united. Is that even possible when we really stop and think about it? No, not flesh. It is a lifelong quest. As the old saying goes, wherever two or three are gathered, there will be conflict. Right? There will be disagreements. There will be differences of opinion. 
But what do we do? Do we seek God? Do we seek His direction? Do we seek His will? Because the truth is, unity is something we want, isn't it? I, I, in fact, I could, I could pretty much know I could go to any one of you one-on-one -on -one and ask you, so what are your thoughts about unity? And I know your heart would be, that's God's desire for the church. And, and that, that's your heart's desire. And somehow, obviously, God would not ask us to do that if it was an impossibility. Amen. Because the fact of the matter is, as we're going to read later when we get into 1 Corinthians 12, we are one body and we have the same Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6 said this, Be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. Amen. So there again, you have this incredible picture as he's speaking even to the Ephesians. Now, how many people have a list of things that they're going to they're gonna single people out when you get to heaven? You know, whether it's Paul or Jesus. You got your list of questions that you want to ask them. I, I, I got like a book of things you know, that I want to ask on these guys. And this is one of them. Yep. Because, you know, Paul was in Ephesus when he got this news about Corinth. Now, my thing is this. Could it be, and it's just a question, I'm not saying it is, but could it be that Ephesians 4, 3 through 6 was partially written because of what he just got word of regarding the Corinthians? You know, Or could it be that he felt the need to really talk to the Corinthians about what's going on because God gave him the stuff in Ephesians, right? But the thing is, is you see this, this um, unity of message being spoken no matter which church he was at. We need to be about unity. What does this mean for us? that we can apply it to ourselves. This wasn't just for the church at Corinth. It wasn't just for the church at Ephesus. It's for the church sitting in a yard in somebody's at somebody's house in Charlestown, New Hampshire, and wherever else you might be tuning in from. Amen. The biblical viewpoint here is one of oneness. It's one of indivisibility. Scripture tells us that a house divided against itself cannot stand. So is it any wonder that the number one thing that the enemy tries to do with any church is to bring division, to bring disunity? We need to be about being one and protect that oneness at all costs. Oneness is hard work. Now, how many married people do we have here? Right? How many of you found marriage to be hard work? Do not raise your hands. <laughs> I don't want anybody in the doghouse tonight, okay? I'm raising but, um, both. <laughs> but, but for our lives, it is hard work. It doesn't just happen by osmosis, right? In this passage, Paul is merely calling the church to manifest in its relationship the very unity that it was given at its birthright when they came into the kingdom. Problem is, the believers have a tendency to depart from unity because we have this thing called pride that likes to get in the way. We want to thank you for tuning into today's broadcast. We pray that it was beneficial for you. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for another episode of Life on Main. You can learn more about our church by visiting our website at lifeonmain.org. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash lifeonmain where you can learn about upcoming events 
find links to videos of these broadcasts and sermons. You can also view our sermons on our YouTube channel at bit.ly slash lifeonmain with each of those words capitalized. Thanks for listening to Life on Main and may God bless you.